Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. Hey, good morning, Kingdom Faith. I hope you're all well. Listen, it's a privilege to be able to be a part of your service today and be able to just minister a word that God's put on my heart for you guys there in Kingdom Faith. And uh, firstly, I just want to give my greetings and, uh, and my love to uh, Pastor Clive and Jane and to Colin and Caroline. Uh, love the Urquhart family dearly and so thankful for your input into our lives and to be on this journey with you guys. These are interesting times, aren't they? And uh, indeed, times where we need to be hearing God uh, concerning who we are and what we need to be doing. Um, interesting that they're lasting longer than what we thought they would initially last. I said to somebody this week that it feels like somebody's running with the finishing line. Every time you kind of see a natural finishing line, somebody moves it again. But that's okay. We're trusting God in all of these things. It's also a time that's kind of full of surprises, isn't it? That we understand that we're grounded in the kingdom of God and we're so thankful that we're of a kingdom that's unshakable. It says other kingdoms can be shaken and will be shaken to reveal the kingdom that can't be shaken, which is the kingdom of our God. But these are times where we really need to understand how God wants us to minister to the needs of people, both the spiritual needs and the practical needs. These are very interesting days indeed where I believe the church needs to know who she is. The church is not a building. The church is not a service. The church is a community of people who have been called out of darkness into light. We are that Isaiah 60 people. We are that light of God that shines in dark times. It's vitally important that we understand who we are as the church. Like I said, we're not a building. We're not a service. We have buildings, we meet in buildings, we have services, but we're more than services. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are a community of people, like it says in Colossians 1.13, that have been called out of darkness into his marvellous light. We're a people of light, we're light walkers, that's who we are. It's also important that we know what we should be doing in this season. Our purpose, God's plan for us, in this moment that we find ourselves in. It's vital that we know the moment at hand from a heavenly perspective and God's purposes for us within it. In 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, it speaks of the sons of Issachar or the tribe of Issachar. And I love this statement that's made. I'm reading from the International Standard Version. It says, of the sons of Issachar, they kept up to date in their understanding of the times and seasons and knew what Israel should do. I really believe that we need to be like the sons of Issachar in this time, that keep up to date in our understanding of the times and the seasons we're in. But also because we're listening to heaven, we know what we should be doing in response to the moments we're in and any moments that are coming. To me, this moment, or this season that we find ourselves in is all about harvest. It's all about harvest. It's all about harvest time. It's all about bringing the harvest in. And that's what I want to uh, focus on with you guys this morning, on the call to being soul winners. You know, we were here in heaven. I know when I've spent time with Pastor Colin 
and Clive over the last a couple of years and, and the last few months specifically, we were all hearing the sound of harvest time. We were all hearing long before lockdown was announced or COVID was spoken of. We were all hearing heaven speaking the word harvest and harvest time. I just want to come and underline what your own pastors, pastors uh, Clive and Jane and, and Colin and Caroline have been saying to you over these last few years and actually these last few months, it's harvest time. Our purpose in this moment is to raise up soul winners and send them into the harvest field for all the things that God wants to do. It's about equipping harvesters and sending them. That's really the heartbeat or the, the alarm within me at this time. We need to mobilise Christians. We need to move in our understanding of evangelism from what we've known into what God needs us to be today. I've got a statement I've been using recently and I want to share it with you. And it's based off of um, a saying that I used to see everywhere when I was um, driving around the mountains in Tennessee the last couple of years. Um, I was able to go over to America and during those trips, drive through the great mountains in Tennessee and uh, West Virginia. And whenever you went to a gift shop, you would always see this slogan written on a T-shirt or on a plaque that you could buy. And it's a quote by a guy called John Muir, and it was written in 1873 in a letter that he wrote to his sister. And the statement is very simple, and uh, I've stolen it and I've adapted it, I believe, for this moment we're in. And his statement was, the mountains are calling and I must go. I want to change that statement for us today. The harvest is calling and I must go. The harvest is calling and we must go. If you listen, you can't not hear it. The cry of people that don't yet know Christ, the cry of people living in confusion. Like Jesus spoke of, the, the sheep that have gone astray, the sheep that have been scattered. You know, when he spoke those words, the fields are white unto harvest. Those words are so now for us. You know, when he first spoke those words, he followed on that statement by saying, but the workers are few. The workers aren't few today. Apparently, there's about 2.2 billion Christians in the world in a population of, a world population of five point something billion, I believe. The workers aren't few. The problem is they're not mobilised. And what we've got to understand, like the sons of Issachar, the moment we're in is harvest time, which means our response to harvest time is we mobilise, equip and send people into the harvest field to uh, bring the harvest in. You know, if Jesus was to say those words today, I think it would be a little bit more brutal for us as the 21st century church. It would be the fields are ripened to the harvest, but the workers are apathetic, lethargic distracted, self-seeking, self-preserving. It wouldn't be few, it, but it would be a whole, other, a whole bunch of other things that are excuses, but we can all be guilty of hiding behind. Come on, let's respond in this moment, kingdom faith, by saying the harvest is calling and I must go. I love that statement in a number of ways, really, because it says the harvest is calling. The harvest is your calling. We have been saved and called with a holy calling. A part of a calling that God has given you is your responsibility to be a harvester. 
in the harvest field. It said the harvest is calling and we must go. Go is a key word, isn't it, when we, we read about the Great Commission and Acts 1 verse 8. Go into all the world, but start in your Jerusalem. Does God mean that we've got to jump on a plane and go to the historic city of Israel, in the, you know, of Jerusalem in the, in the nation of Israel? No, he means look around at your Jerusalem, the bespoke world that he's given you, and rise up as a harvester in it, saying, I'm going to take responsibility. Where God wants to send me next, hey, that's up to the Lord. But right now, today, this day, the 1st of November, I am going to rise up and be a harvester in the bespoke, unique Jerusalem made up of my friends, my family, my harvest field. You know, we know that the harvest is ripe, but we've also got to understand that we are God's answer to that ripeness. So often when you consider a harvest field being ripe, sadly the next season can be death. We want to grab people in their ripeness. In England, people are ripe for harvest. Maybe you would say, oh, I asked my family, I asked my friends and family about Jesus before. They didn't want to know. Ask them again. A lot has changed in life. And there's a ripeness in life that I believe is going to bring an awakening of God. I believe that we are in and going deeper into an awakening of God in the United Kingdom. And this awakening, it's not going to be about us falling over in church services. It's going to be about us being harvesters, effective harvesters, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing the empowerment of the Spirit and the gifts as tools as we step into the harvest fields that God's given us. You know, I'm remembering these words over and over again. They ring in my heart. heart. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Don't say three months. Again, the Lord, I believe, would say to us today, don't be procrastinating with this. Don't say, yeah, okay, in a week, four months, five months, in a year's time. Now, 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 lift your eyes. Have 2020 vision. See things as you should be seeing them. The harvest is ripe. Like I said, I believe that this season that we're in, like the sons of Issachar, we must understand the moment we're in, but we, almost, we must also understand what we're to do in that moment. This season, this moment is all about mobilising the church, the people of God, to soul winning. Now that means that we need to shift or upset the status quo of what we've understood evangelism to be. You know, traditionally, when you spoke about evangelism to people, it was about bringing people to church. It was about, all right, my evangelism is I'm going to bring someone to a church building and the person on the stage is going to speak about Jesus and what he's done for them. And then the person I've brought is going to lift their hands, hopefully, respond to the altar call, and then we're going to leave the building. And a lot of what we've done with evangelism over the years has evolved around a stage or around um, a celebrity preacher or, or an evangelist that we bring in to get other people into relationship with Christ. And that's not wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's not the moment we're in. In fact, the arrows that go this way of bring everybody to church to see the lights on in the building. Those days are done. Now what we're doing is turning the light of God on in us, being an Isaiah 60 people, and then sending the people of God into their everyday um, harvest fields. 
So I really believe we're in a moment where we're seeing evangelism, and I'm so excited by this, shift from stages into the lives and the lifestyle of people. You see, we're not, we're not worried about souls on Sunday for two hours. We should be worried about souls every moment of our life. We're moving in our understanding that it's not just about meetings. Meetings were never meant to be the be-all and end-all of our Christian experience. In fact, I believe we're coming back to a moment where they're resetting themselves correctly to a biblical understanding of meetings. There are times where we celebrate what the Lord did in the week that we just lived and what God did through us in the week that we just lived. But also we equip and we mobilise people for the weeks that are ahead. I believe we're back in that Ephesians 4 moment where we're going to see more than ever the equipping of seated saints to become effective soul winners in the harvest field. You know, when we consider the verses in Ephesians 4, it says that these gifts were given from God to the church. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, you know, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He says he gave these gifts, these offices, these graces, these ascension gifts to the church. But it doesn't say to walk around stages doing all the work. It actually says that they've been given from God to release a grace for the anointing that's on their life. So for the evangelist, the evangelist isn't there to walk on big stages. He's there primarily for the equipping of the saints, God's people, for the work of ministry. I really sense in this moment of shift, of reset that we're in, we're coming back to this Ephesians 4 way of understanding that it's about equipping people to be soul winners. Again, when we speak about equipping people to be soul winners, your response may be, um, but I don't know how to get into my harvest field. We want to train you to do that. I know the heart of your pastors. I know the heart and the ethos and, and the values of kingdom faith. They're there to train you how to get into your harvest field. Maybe you would say, I don't know how to approach someone and tell them what I believe about God. Again, we're here to train you. Your leaders are there waiting to train you on how to initiate great conversations with people. But also people may say, I don't know if I know what I believe enough to share my faith with another. Well, we've got to purpose in our heart that we're going to trans, uh, transform our lives out of any ignorance that we may have regarding what the Lord has done for us into a richer and deeper understanding as we're led by the Holy Spirit in our understanding of salvation and such things. Again, I'm, I know that I'm speaking to the people at Kingdom Faith, so I know that you've been taught very well regarding what the Lord achieved for you in your death, burial and resurrection. I know that Romans 6 is ingrained in you and the understanding of what Christ has achieved for you in his finished work is not a strange thought or an uncommon thought to you. But we should always, all of us, be expanding our understanding of what the Lord has done for us. It's also about how we see ourselves, isn't it? We need to see ourselves as missionaries. We are all missionaries. Oh, the harvest field is calling and I must go. We are all missionaries. You see, our churches need to become mission bases rather than entertainment centres like they've been in many places, not family church or kingdom faith, but in many places they've become entertainment centres or warehouses where saints are seated comfortably. 
those days are over. I believe that our church, our churches, our buildings, who we are as the church, our services, need to become more missional. They need to be mission bases in the places that the Lord has placed us. Back in September, I had the privilege of visiting Zambia. And uh, I was asked if I would go over to uh, Victoria Falls, which is on the edge of, uh, I was on the Zambia side, and it's on the other side of a, of a gorge, all the falls is, is uh, Zimbabwe. And I had the privilege of going to Rapid 14, which is an area along that, that, um, the falls there. And they brought me in to train missionaries. And what a privilege. I hadn't traveled for about six months and I'd not really spoken to people <coughs> in person for six months. So I was really excited about this. And I traveled over and they brought in around 200, 220 missionaries from all over that area of Africa. They were coming in from Tanzania, Botswana, different parts of Copper Belt within Zambia, places in Zimbabwe. All these missionaries were coming in for this week. And I had the incredible privilege of training, empowering them, teaching them the aspects of the gospel that they need to know when going into the villages where God had positioned them. And I really had a great time. But what I loved was what God was saying to me also in the midst of all this. You see, their whole terminology was sector thinking. They didn't think of being where they were as a Sunday service where they were. Rather, they saw the place that God had sent them as a sector that they needed to reach. And this really began to get into my heart and cause great excitement. And I came back and I spoke to our pastors in family church and I said, I am no longer regarding you as pastors who are providing a service on Sunday. You are missionaries that I've given a sector to for you to reach for Jesus. You see, the mindset can be very different. If we're just providing church services, then we're providing something for people to come to for a couple of hours a week. But if we see the area that we are, you know, Kingdom Faith has many sectors now. You've got places in London, places in Horsham, places around the country, in Taunton. We need to see them more than ever, not just as places where we do church on Sunday, but as sectors where we carry out our missionary or missional activities. And so I spent time with these missionaries and I was watching and listening to what they were doing and they were talking about how they were reaching this sector for the Lord and the, the humanitarian and, and the, uh, the gospel meetings and the, and the presenting of Jesus that they were doing in this sector and another one came from this sector. And they came together to rejoice in what God was doing not in their services, but in the sectors, the, the, the daily interaction they had with people in the areas where their lives were positioned. When I began to consider this missional way of thinking or how missionaries think about sharing the gospel in the world, I looked at church and I actually overlaid one on the other one and realized there's no difference. The only difference is the question of near or far. You see, their same objective or their objective needs to be our objective too. They believe that they've been sent to an area to reach the people of that area, not just on Sunday, seven days a week, with the good news of Jesus Christ. They've been sent to show the love of God, to minister the love of God practically, but also to communicate to the people in the sector they've been given how incredibly Jesus saves them. That's the same mandate that we have as local church. But we've got to begin to see ourselves now in this season as people who are missionaries 
We're not missionaries when we go on a two-week experience somewhere in the world. We're missionaries now. Like it's been said by somebody so well, maybe we should all put a sign up on our front door as we're leaving that says, you are now entering your mission field. We need to shift our consciousness. We need to let the status quo of what we've known evangelism to be, be offended or shifted so that we can come out in this moment strong for Jesus, reaching our harvest field in a way that it's never been done before. See, the only difference between a missionary and you and me is they've been called to far off places, the ends of the earth, but they carry the same calling as we have to reach our Jerusalems. Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. You will, you will bear witness of me in your local, your further afield and even to the ends of the earth. Oh, it's time for us, I believe, to perceive the new thing. You know, behold, God's doing a new thing. Is it a new thing or is it the next thing? Because God's always had a plan. We're living in our moment of that plan. But we need to perceive the new thing that God's doing, not try to restore something old that needs to stay in our yesterdays, but rather come out in this moment responding in a kingdom way of thinking, listening to what heaven is saying concerning the moment we're in, perceiving the new thing that the Lord is doing. Maybe God is using this moment more than what we've yet realised. You know, I'm hearing some pastors just striving and struggling to regather the people they had before. To me, that's not my plan. That's not the plan that God has given me. I don't want to just regather the people we had before. I want to equip them and empower them to reach people in their world for Jesus before we meet together again like we used to. So that when we do one day open our doors, it's not just the people we had before coming back, but they're bringing with them their neighbours, their friends, their family. They're bringing with them people that they personally led to the Lord in this time that we've been locked down. Romans 8.28 says that God's at work in all things for the good of his church. But God's at work for good in this moment. Let's not concentrate on the bad of what we think we're losing, but rather on the good of what God's doing. Maybe, it's just a maybe, the doors needed to be shut of the church so that we could re-find ourselves and rediscover ourselves. See, the bottom line is, with all these restrictions, nothing has affected our mission. With all these lockdowns, with all these restrictions, with the moving finishing lines, nothing has removed or affected our mission. We are still called to be active soul winners in the harvest fields that God has given us. I say again, can you not hear them calling? Turn your ear towards the harvest field and you won't just hear the sound of people saying, come and help us. But I believe you'll also hear the sound of the Lord saying, come and join me. This moment at hand, God's in control. Just maybe our doors have been locked and our gates have been bolted because God 
is doing something new, but it's going to thrust us into this awakening that we sensed was coming for many years. I remember sitting with Pastor Colin in one of the times that we had sitting in his office, drinking tea and talking about the things of God. And we both had such an excitement in our hearts concerning what God was doing in this moment, how God was causing a shift. Little did we know what would happen from March. It's interesting that the last meeting we had in March, Pastor Colin was present and he was preaching that incredible message on seizing the first minute of your day. But we've been aware for so long that God has been doing something new. We just didn't understand what doing that new thing would look like. So the fields are still ripe to harvest. No restriction, no mask, no segregation, no people separation has affected our calling. No legislation that's come from the World Health Organization or from the government has affected the calling of God towards us in this hour. The fields are still ripe. We are the harvesters. When the Lord says, go into the harvest, he's not speaking to church leaders. He's not speaking to those who completed Bible school. He's speaking to everyone who's a follower of Jesus. He's calling us to join us, to join him in the harvest. You know, so often you hear Christians say, oh, I just want to, I just want to be closer to Jesus. Well, here's a, little, here's a little tip for you. You're always closest to someone when you stand alongside them in what they're doing. If you want to get close to me, then join me in what I'm doing and you'll be close to me. The Lord is in the harvest field right now and he's beckoning us to come and join him, to find our joy from harvesting with him. It's interesting when we speak of joining him, it's that word co, isn't it? Being co-something. Think about this for a moment. I thought about this when I was preparing today. We've all enjoyed and benefited in being co-crucified with him. But we know that we were in Christ on the cross. That the message of the gospel that we carry is a message of co-crucifixion. My old man was crucified in Christ. We also speak of co-heirship. Oh, the Lord, the Lord has made me an heir to the Father and allowed me to be a joint heir with himself, the Son. Oh, we love the word co when it comes to receiving our new life through the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. We love co when it speaks of our position now, seated in heavenly places in Jesus. Why are we not so passionate about being co-missionaries with him? Responding as we should to the great commission. I believe that things are changing in us all. We're seeing things in a fresh way. Don't just celebrate your co-crucifixion. Live in the benefits of your co-heirship. But also arise today in a fresh way to join in with this great commission that the Lord has given us all. So I give you this statement again. And I pray it comes like, um, scratchy grass seed down the back of your shirt. The harvest is calling and we must go. Lift up your eyes. Don't say a few months time. Don't give excuses that you may have given before that are based in fear or ignorance, but rather say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, if you're looking for someone, use me.
You know, I think of a prophet when he's, you know, said those words, here I am, Lord, send me. I pray that that is your heart and it would be my heart more than ever before. Okay, maybe your responses, like I said before, I, I don't know how to go. I don't know how to go. Maybe your earnest response to what you're hearing this morning, because this isn't a guilt trip. I'm not a travel agent for guilt trips. I'm telling you that the Lord is inviting you to be a harvester. This is a part of your purpose for being on the earth. If the Lord didn't have any purpose for us, he would have taken us after new birth. And that would have been a lot easier for him, I think, if when a person was born again, bang, they were with him. But he didn't because he left us on the earth. Remember what he prayed when Jesus prayed. He prayed first for himself. Then he prayed for the, the disciples that were present. And then he prayed for the believers that are you and me. And he said, Lord, we're keeping them in the world because we have a purpose for them. But let them know they're in the world but they're not of it. Oh, we are kingdom citizens that represent another kingdom, a kingdom that isn't shaken by all the things that we see shaking other kingdoms around us. Maybe your response is, I want to, Andy. I just don't know what to share. I, I want to, Andy, but the simple things like initiating a conversation, I'm not sure what to do. My first response is, then approach your church leaders and say, Listen, I want to be trained to be an effective harvester. I don't want to be a seated saint. I want to be an effective harvester. I want to see my loved ones. I want to see my friends and family hear about the gospel. I can't control whether they respond, but I can control whether they've heard it. Just want to share this thought with you. Whenever I lose my passion for soul winning or lose my vigor for it, Boy, there's a fresh awakening in me at the moment towards it. That's for sure. I feel the evangelist in me waking up louder and brighter than ever before. But in times when I've kind of lost my focus, the Lord's reminded me of the realities of what we're dealing with here. You see, heaven and hell are not a myth. There remains a judgment. There remains a judgment for those whose names are not in the Lamb's book of life. We need to take that seriously. We need to blow the dust off of the fairy tales that we recite so well. Oh, yeah, there's a heaven and a hell. Do we believe that? If we believe that, are we doing everything we can, especially for those that we say we love, to stop them going to a lost eternity? I remember the Lord gave me this dream once. I don't know if it was a dream or a vision, but it was very, very real. And it always awakens me in times of apathy in my own soul winning. And in this dream, I was, or this vision, I was going into heaven. And there was a queue going into heaven and, and uh, I could see the pearly gates. We were crossing over a bridge to go into this eternity with God. But we had to cross over this bridge. And as I crossed over it, in this dream, this vision, I saw underneath me a lake. And it wasn't good. And this lake was not going towards heaven. It was flowing to somewhere else where people would spend a lost eternity. It was fiery, it was dark. And as I was crossing the bridge, I looked down into this lake and I saw the faces of people I knew. But then suddenly in this moment, I heard them scream at me. Why didn't you tell me? You knew. Why didn't you tell me? You knew, why did you stay silent? And in that moment, I resolved in my heart, 
I don't care if it makes me embarrassed. I don't care if it gets me into trouble. I don't care if they accuse me of being an idiot. I don't care what their response may be. I'm going to take responsibility for making sure, especially for those who I say I love, but they've heard and had the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, to have their name unblotted in the Lamb's Book of Life. Again, maybe your concerns are you want to be trained to be a soul winner. Then I've got some good news for you. Today is a very, very special day for me. And uh, today, November the 1st, is the launch day of my new book, Soul Winner. And I really believe that this has been written for this moment that we're in. Soul Winner is released today and I am so excited. It is packed. 30 years of what I've learned about evangelism, not stage evangelism, personally leading to people to Christ, I've crammed into this book. The first chapter speaks of whose responsibility it is, the equipping of the saints. There's other chapters, and I know I shared this message with you once before, about how to initiate a conversation by asking people who they say Jesus is. I'd written most of the chapters, and then I got to the final part, and I thought, I'm done, Lord. And then I came to the final part where the Lord said to me very clearly, no, no, there's one more chapter to write. And I realised that everything I'd written in the book um, infused people, encouraged people to run, to go into their harvest fields. But all of a sudden, the Lord drew me back to that story of David and Joab, where Joab wanted to send a messenger to David. And a young guy came up and said, I'll run, I'll run, I'll run. And, and Joab said, no, no. And he picked a Cushite. But the young man carried on. Give me the message, I'll run, I'll run. And in the end, Joab says, oh, you can go. And the young man overtakes the Cushite. And when he comes to David, David said, what's the message? Tell me about the battle. Tell me about Absalom. And the young guy went, oh, I don't know. I only heard half a message. I only know half a message. I know that they were talking about that, but I'm really not sure. And then suddenly the Cushite arrives and tells David the fullness of the message that Joab wanted him to know. And in that moment, I felt the Lord say to me, write down 24 key aspects of salvation. And I actually sent them to Pastor Colin to review to make sure that they were correct. And I got, um, I got a pass on my report back, which I'm excited about. So the last chapter is soteriology. It's the doctrine of salvation, 24 key aspects, so that you know your gospel, but also you know how to disciple people when you've led them to the Lord. Because one of the key things that really excites me about us moving evangelism from the stage into individuals, from meetings into lifestyle, is the moment you and me lead someone to the Lord, there is then a responsibility on us to disciple them. So I've included in this book everything you need to determine or teach a person about how to disciple someone regarding salvation. And then there's a resource centre. In the back of the resource centre, there's actually a copy of Pastor Colin's book on knowing Jesus. I wanted to include that in because of just the power that's in that, that, that mini book. There's also a section on how to share your faith and understand the differences between Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Muslims and atheists, what they believe, how you approach a person when they believe something very different. And so I am so excited today. We are launching this book, Soul Winner, and um, you need to get your hands on a copy. Now, I know Kingdom Faith are picking up some copies, but also Pastor Clive said to direct you to our website. So today also, as well as the book launching, it's the launch of uh, a new website called soulwinner.co.uk. Soul Winner, that's what we want to be, soul winners, soulwinner.co.uk. 
soulwinner.co.uk. If you go to soulwinner.co.uk, you can go ahead and order a copy and we'll get it sent to you really quick. And uh, there's going to be other resources on that website. I want to use that website for real-time web training in how to lead people to the Lord. I want to provide on that website interviews and training forums for raising up soul winners and harvesters for the harvest field. So there you go. There's my good news, Kingdom Faith. Today, it's official. It's the release of Soul Winner. Daniel Kalender kindly endorsed it for me, who you know took on the ministry of uh, Reinhard Bonnke. And he says that it's a compass. It's a, it's a compass for go-getters, equipping them for everything they must know. On the front of a book, I just simply wrote, everything you need to know to lead people to Jesus. I was so thankful when Pastor Clive contacted me and said, would I share a word on November 1st? And I said, it's the release of my book. He said, yeah, please let the people know it's available. So there you go. I'll let you know. Soul Winner is out today. Go to soulwinner.co.uk. But I want to close today talking about those or talking to those who maybe haven't yet received Jesus Christ as Lord, never acknowledged him as the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, never seen him as the great shepherd or the good shepherd that wants to lead them, guide them and cause them to know a life beyond what they've known. If you're watching today, you've tuned in today, let me pray for you. If you're watching today and you're somebody that's never known Jesus, like the Bible says, you're a lamb that went astray, come back to the great shepherd today. If you're watching today and you're someone that's never given your life to Jesus, oh, do it today. Come on, don't put off till tomorrow what needs to be done today. Maybe you're somebody and you've been in a, black, a, back, a backslidden condition. You've drifted, you've gone astray. Come back today, I pray. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And when I say amen at the end, if you say amen with me, you'll be saying that prayer is my prayer. I've prayed that for me today. Let me pray. Thank you, Father, that you gave your only beloved son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Thank you that you never came into the world to condemn me, Jesus, but to save me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. You died for me. You died as me. You died to give me a new beginning and a fresh start. I receive that new beginning and fresh start right now. Jesus, you are my saviour. Thank you for saving me. I receive you as Lord and Saviour and will live for you and follow you all of my days. Fill me, Holy Spirit, with your presence. Thank you that a new day has just begun. Amen. Hey, if you prayed amen, you've just said that prayer is mine. And the Bible reveals that he's taken you now from separation and made you a part of his glorious family. Listen, Kingdom Faith, love you guys. Wish I could be with you in person there, but those days will come again. But let's not misunderstand the importance of the moment that's at hand. Be the soul winner God's called you to be. Be a missionary. See yourself as a missionary. And hear the sound that the harvest is calling and we must go. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.